Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And this week we are going to have a special guest. His name is Kevin Thompson. He is the host of the Basic Bible yeah, it's me. Anyway, this is a um, a quick talk I gave at a men's conference last February at uh, Faith Community Church in Janesville. And so I thought I'd share this with you. It's about developing a Christian worldview. So this is a lecture I gave about developing a Christian worldview. Teacher, I'm not used to people applauding when I speak. So... Um, <laughs> I'm used to, you know, eye rolls, yawns, stretches, requests to go to the bathroom, whatnot. Um, no. <laughs> no. I'm used to people coming in late. Um, you know, we are in the preschool room, which I think is highly appropriate because, one, I'm very immature. And then number two, if this completely bores you out of your mind, there are coloring sheets in the back, <laughs> complete with crayons. You've got like superhero stuff. So this is the perfect room to be in if you forced in a room with me. Anyway, um, as Charlie said, I'm Kevin Thompson, my family, my four very energetic boys who give me a run for their money, uh, for my money. High school teacher in Rock County Christian School. Before that, I've served as an elder, youth pastor, assistant pastor. And the most important thing, if you get nothing else from this time, Basic Bible Podcast, look it up. I need the ratings. So download it, tell all of your friends. If nothing else, I will accomplish something here. His co host. Okay. Uh, all right, so we're talking about a worldview. So, the question is, what is a worldview? It's pretty simply how you view the world. I'm sorry if you're looking for something a little more profound. <laughs> but it's how you view the world. Okay, so I've got these glasses. You all look a little fuzzy right now without them. But when I put them on, everything clarifies a little bit looking at you, that's unfortunate sometimes, but I can see more clearly, and everything I see is through these glasses. So if I were to put on some sunglasses, everything I see is now tainted uh, by whatever color those glasses are. You've heard the expression, people see things through rose-colored glasses or whatever. Well, what that means, obviously, is they, they have a, a nice or better um, view of the world or disposition than other people because everything they see is through that through that tint. So when we talk about a world view, it's simply how you view the world. But if you are looking for a better definition, um, it's a pattern of ideas, beliefs, convictions, and habits that make us make sense of God, the world, and our relationship to God and the world. So basic questions. Why are we here? Does human life actually have purpose? What is the meaning of life? Is there a difference between right and wrong? Is there a God? George Barnes said, your worldview is the intellectual, moral, and spiritual filter through which you see and respond to the world around you. 
Now, I've got to warn you, I, I forgot to mention, one of the things that really irritate me, like really irritate me, I am, I don't know how to describe it, not a type A personality, but I like things a certain way, okay? And it's not your way, because your way's wrong, it's my way. Um, and I'm a note taker. I have a tendency to fall asleep during messages, during sermons. Every time I've got a, in fact, I've got my, my sermon outline book. I keep notes. And one of the things that irritates the fire out of me is when someone's got a PowerPoint and they change the slides too fast. <laughs> sorry, if you come to Faith Community, Pastor Jeff, I'm sorry. You need to keep those on just a little bit longer because I'm writing and I'm slow. But I do have in the back on that black table over there, I made copies of this PowerPoint. So if you're like me and you get irritated because you have to get every last note, it's back there. Feel free to take it, burn it, do whatever you want with it, um, color on the back, make pictures, whatever. Um, but again, if you're like me, that irritates me, so I have it back there. Um, all right, Joel, your worldview is the intellectual, moral, and spiritual filter through which you see and respond to the world around you. Now, if we want to get technical, there are about six major different worldviews. We're not going to talk about all six because the topic of this, this uh, discussion is how to develop a Christian worldview. And uh, I, I thank Tim Bales for coming up with the uh, <clears throat> description because... I completely forgot and missed his email about how, you know, what he wanted, so um, thanks, Tim, for filling that in. So if, it doesn't, if this doesn't exactly match your description, I apologize. It's completely my fault. Um, but Christianity, which we're going to talk about today, Islam, spirituality, or back in my day, we called it the New Age movement. We're talking crystals, we're talking <laughs> horoscopes and all that fun stuff, or today, you know, it's the spiritual... Paganism. Well, paganism, sure. Uh, but we don't call it that, because that sounds negative. You know, it's, it's the spiritual, but I don't subscribe to a religion type thing. So I'm just kind of doing my own thing and, and all of that. And I also find, and this is a little hobby horse, I don't want to get off on too much, but I think a lot of people mistake this spirituality for Christianity. We'll, we'll talk about that more in a minute. Marxism, you know, you can file under that, communism, socialism, uh, things of that nature, and uh, postmodernism, a, 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 I don't want to say a new way of looking at the world. In fact, I think sometimes we're moving beyond postmodernism, but the idea of postmodernism is that there is no absolute truth. You have your truth, you have your truth, and even though they conflict, we're okay. Because as long as it works for you, that's okay, but just don't push that on me. You can have your truth, I have my truth, and we're good. You want to believe in Jesus? That's great. You want to believe in Buddha? Go for it. As long as you're a good person, you don't harm anybody, we're all good, right? Well, logically, that doesn't make sense, but that's where a lot of people are at today. So, how do you get a worldview? Most people catch their worldview like they catch a cold, and we know there's nothing worse than, you know, the man cold, right? You know, I've heard about pregnancy, you know, that... I've heard that's tough, but that's not as, as tough as we have it, right? Um, we catch it from just the people we're around. Most people don't think about life in terms of worldview. 
you know, nerds like me, and apparently nerds like you because you came to this as well, but um, you don't think about it. Your worldview is kind of a conglomeration. You might not fit into one of those six categories that I just mentioned, but it's kind of just like a mixture of everything. Things that you've seen on TV, things you grew up with, experiences, friends, books that you've read. It all just kind of filters through your mind. And with all of that, you kind of just start to make sense of everything in your own way. My kids, how do I, how do I put this? They're not the smartest kids in the world, but they're confident. You know what I mean? My, my son, Devante, um, he's learning, and it's great. I, I love watching him learn. We read every morning together, and, you know, his vocabulary picks up. But he has this strange thing of just, like, he makes sense of everything in his little mind. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't make actual... If you sit down and, and, and evaluate this thing with him, eventually he'll figure out, okay, I was wrong about that. But in his little six-year-old mind, just things work a certain way. For example, um, a couple weeks ago, my son Tony was baptized. <coughs> and we were driving to church. We live in Beloit, so we were, we were driving up 90. And Devante was really upset. Like, what, what's wrong? Like, he, he said, where are we going? Kids, Sunday morning, we go to church. <laughs> That's, have you, are you new here? You know, we do this. No, but Tony's getting baptized today. Yeah, that's why we're going to church, you know. Why are we going to church if Tony's getting baptized? And it dawned on me that the last baptism he saw wasn't at this church. And so in his mind, baptisms only happen at that church. And so he can't make sense of why we're going to a different church. He doesn't understand everything, but he's noticing everything around him. He has the fact that he has in his head, and he's making a connection with it. And that's basically how worldviews are formed. It's through all different sorts of things. And oftentimes we don't take the time to sit down and evaluate those things. Are they right? Are they wrong? It's just what happens to me. It's my experience. So therefore, that's my frame of reference, and that's what I'm using. Okay. Um, yeah, basically the same idea. I'm going to skip over that. I am I'm trying to be cognizant of time. I don't do a good job of that. I'm a Baptist. <laughs> 30 minutes. Like 30 minutes is like my introduction. That's when I clear my throat. And then, but anyway. So do we actually have a Christian worldview? Yeah, I, I, I've taken one of the things I do with my spare time, because again, I'm a nerd and I'm not a very socially acclimated person. I collect little memes and things I see on social media that I have seen fellow Christian people post. And I think, really? Do you really believe that? So we talk about a Christian worldview, and oftentimes the assumption is, well, I go to church, I've been to church all my life, I read my Bible, so obviously I have a Christian worldview. But do we? Because there's a lot of things that we believe that actually aren't grounded in Scripture. And we actually sit down to examine it, we would see, oh, no. 
that's actually not what I should believe. Like maybe you've seen the, the illustration here of the elephant. So the illustration of the elephant is there's this dark room somewhere, and everyone's blind, and they're trying to feel around to see what, what is there. And well, one person feels the trunk of the elephant, and then, oh, it's a snake, or one person's feeling the tusk, and it's a spear, or, or all this other stuff. And, but the point is, nobody know, really knows what it is, right? But they're all right. And sometimes we view that in terms of religion. Well, Buddhists view God in this way, and Christians view God in this way, and Jews this way, and Muslims this way. The reality is none of us really know what's out there, but we're all, we're all right, aren't we? Well, no. And we know that's true because in order to understand the illustration, you have to accept the fact that there is something there. And it's a definite thing. It's an elephant. So they're all wrong. They can't all be right and be different at the same time. Or, or maybe you've seen the illustration about the just because you're right doesn't mean I'm wrong. Is it a six or a nine? We don't really know, do we? Well, back up. Somebody wrote that. Somebody actually knows if it is a six or a nine. In fact, the problem is we don't have enough facts here. Perhaps if we backed up, we would see some other numbers. Or if we backed up, maybe we'd see it in front of a house or in front of a building, and that would start to make sense. Well, both of these, it, it, it's, they seem nice, they seem loving and kind, but they're wrong. Because we do believe in absolute truth. As Christians, we do believe there is a right and there is a wrong. And yes, when I say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, that means other people aren't going there. Ideas have consequences. Or we're all God's children, right? Well, yeah, that sounds nice. But you read through, uh, Chris Brown talked about this morning, John 1. We read through John 1, the rest of John 1, we see, well, are we all children of God? No. Get away from toxic people. Well, oftentimes what I see that being used for is the idea that I don't want anyone to tell me I'm wrong. Or don't judge me. Or hey, you're the author of your own story. If you don't like it, change the book or change the chapter or whatever. Change the page. You're the author of your own story. Oh, no. You're actually not. So we have to look at this world, examine it, and ask questions. And that's how we start to begin a, a, a Christian worldview. The problem is, we sometimes think there's religion on this side, and there's facts, and there's science, and there's reason over here. Francis Schaeffer, a famous Christian philosopher, gave this illustration. Modern man resides in a two-story universe. In the lower story is the finite world without God. Here is life is absurd. In the upper story are meaning, value, and purpose. Now, modern man lives in the lower story because he believes there is no God. But he cannot live happily in such an absurd world. Therefore, 
He continually makes leaps of faith into the upper story to affirm meaning, value, and purpose, even though he has no right to since he does not believe in God. Modern man is totally inconsistent when he makes this leap because these values cannot exist with God, and man in his lower story does not have God. In other words, what he's saying here, you have a two-story building. We're supposed to live, we're told anyway, we're supposed to live on this bottom floor because that's where fact and science and reason and logic are. And these are the things that ground us. And your religion, your philosophy, that's up on the upper story. That, that doesn't really matter. What matters is the lower part because that's the only thing we can make decisions based upon. That's the only thing that we can judge right or wrong is, is on this lower floor. And sometimes we fall for that. I, again, I'm a nerd. I, our last speaker was talking about following the Vikings and whatnot. I'm not, I'm not a sports guy. I follow politics like people follow sports, like normal people follow sports. I'm not normal. Um, and so I, 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 I'm a big political guy. And I'm told all the time that when we enter into the public arena of debate, you've got to leave your religion at the door. You can't legislate morality. Or you, you can't have that worldview here, because this is for everybody, and therefore we have to just deal with fact and reason, not with you know, your religion. Because the assumption is religion is like ice cream. You know, you have chocolate or vanilla, and you can choose whichever one. It really doesn't matter, right? Well, no. We believe all truth is God's truth. And the question about legislating morality is not if you can do it, it's whose, it's whose morality you're legislating. Because every time you ask a question of right and wrong, you're dealing with morality. And every decision the government makes is a question of right and wrong. In fact, you look at, um, you know, we're talking about gay marriage event that's been in the news again. And these people are not just saying, listen, we need to be in a neutral area and this is where... No, they're saying this is morally right decision to do. Who are you to judge who loves each other? We need to let love, they're, they're, they're using moral terminology to come up with their conclusion. So yes, we are going to legislate morality, it's the only thing we can. So the question is, which worldview or which morality are we going to use? So as Christians, we believe that all truth, again, is God's truth, that there is no two-story house. We only have a foundation. In fact, your worldview can't make sense without mine. Because I believe in a God of order, logic, and reason who created this world in observable patterns uh, and, and, and uh, whatnot with consistency that you can't explain outside of a creator. Why does, the, uh, why does water freeze at a certain temperature? than it did yesterday, than it will tomorrow? Well, science can't answer that question, but I can. The, matter, the truth of the matter is there is no neutrality because once you're teaching on these topics and you're not mentioning God, what you're saying is God has no place in this at all. Jeff Keats said this when it came to education. 
There are no neutral schools. They are teaching God's place in this world. He is not meant, if he is not mentioned, they are showing God has no place in the real world. Your worldview matters. C.S. Lewis said this, We are now getting to the point at which different beliefs about the universe lead to different behavior. Religion involves a series of statements about facts which must be either true or false. If they are true, one set of conclusions will follow about the right sailing of the human fleet. If they are false, quite another set. In other words, what you believe matters and it has consequences. Either Jesus did physically, literally, historically rise from the dead, or he didn't. If he did, that's a complete game changer. That changes the rest of human history. That changes everything. And if he didn't actually literally, physically, historically raise from the dead, that also has consequences. So this isn't, again, like vanilla or chocolate or do you prefer this over that. It's about fact. If this is true, it absolutely matters, and therefore, there are things I need to re be required to do and to think and to act. So ideas, again, have consequences. It not only just affects our mind, but it affects our actions. You look back at World War II. Hitler's propaganda was not just a system of thought, uh, something philosophy, philosophers talk about at Starbucks, but it led to action. And because of that, millions of lives were lost. Opinions, philosophies, ideas have consequence and they matter. Another famous C.S. Lewis quote, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. This is my my view, my direction. This shades everything. Abraham Kuyper was an interesting guy. If you ever have a chance to, to study his life, he's kind of a jack of all trades and kind of had his hand in a whole bunch of stuff. He said, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. So every facet of life is controlled by God. And every facet of life, we need to think of every facet of our life as controlled by God. Whether it's the clothes I wear, the words I speak, when I get up, when I get down, all of this matters. So my, we, we, we are tempted. Religion is something we do in church. But when I go to work, that's something else. Or when I go home, that's something else. Or I'm hanging out with the guys, that's something else. Your worldview affects your entire world. And again, what does it say if that stuff stays at the church? This is real life. What message is that sending to our children? Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is insight. We're not going to know anything if we don't have a proper view of God. 1 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought. I'm trying to write because I'm noticing we're running really low on time. Elements of a Christian worldview. Basically, creation, fall, 
redemption and restoration. This is the lens through which we view the world. In other words, creation. God creates the world, Genesis 1. And it is good, not only good, but he says very good at the end. Human beings, you are made after a pattern, the image of God. That means something. God gave us a command to have dominion over the good world he has. Again, he created a world, not just a church, not just a Sunday school classroom, but a world. It's his world. And he placed you in it, and he said, to have dominion over all of it. Reproduce and multiply. Fill the earth. Take dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creeping thing that creeps. That's your mission. It's all kingdom building. But then we have the fall in Genesis 3. Man disobeyed God, and this once good world is now filled with sin, death, and decay. But not only that, how did we fall? We believed a distortion of the truth. The serpent asked, did God say? Do you? Listen, there's a reason why God told you that. He doesn't want you to know the secret. He doesn't want you to know. He doesn't want you to be like him. And we believe a distortion of the truth. And the results are catastrophic. And that's where we're at today. We are separated from God because we believed a distortion of truth. But redemption, Christ has redeemed us through the shedding of his blood at the very moment when man was told the sin, uh, the world filled with sin is now cursed. He says, I'm going to send someone. A seed of the woman will conquer this serpent. And Jesus comes and does just that. He's going to change everything now. Because of the death of Christ, we have this idea of redemption. God is taking what was once wrecked and ruined and now in the process of sanctifying that. Now in the process of changing all of that. That's the good news of the gospel. We are slowly advancing the kingdom of God once again. In fact, even after the fall in Genesis, we go back to Genesis 9. Noah gets off the ark. Remember, things have gotten so bad after Genesis 3 that God decided to destroy the earth. I'm done with this. Noah, you and your family are going to survive. I'm starting over. And when Noah walks off the ark, Noah gets the same command that Adam and Eve did. After the fall, he says, now go, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. The fall has ruined things. But Christ has redeemed everything. As in Adam, all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive, 1 Corinthians tells us. To the point of restoration. <laughs> One day redemption will be complete. Romans 8 talks about the idea that... We are all groaning with the anticipation until one day we will see the adoption of the whole earth, the people, the planet, everything is groaning like, 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 like childbirth. But one day, it's going to be done. We're suffering now, but Romans 8 tells us 
the glory that awaits us can't be compared to the suffering we're going through now. So in our minds, our worldview is affected by that. We're told in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of this world, and not according to Christ. So because of Christ, I see things differently, which is why Romans 12.2 tells me, that I am to be not to be conformed to the pattern or to the image of this world. Why? Because I'm an image bearer of God, not this world. But to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you will discern what is the will of God. By testing. In other words, we are looking at things from a different perspective. We are not to just be passive bystanders in all of this. Whether you're reading a magazine, a newspaper, watching TV, listening to a podcast, listening to music, you're evaluating all of this. You're testing it. Because your mind, through Christ, has been renewed. If you are redeemed, if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, we are to think differently. And so we take things in differently because we have a separate set of classes, a separate set of lens that we're going through. And so we see in creation, what is God's structure, his created order? And we see how man has pulled that back into a different direction. And what we're trying to do is bend that back. You take something like sex. God created it. I was just teaching on this the other day in, in class. God, sex is not a bad thing. It's not something to blush at. It's not something to be ashamed of. God created it. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. I tell my students all the time, sex is great. I highly recommend it. In a context. <laughs> but what happens? The world has taken that and stretched it a different way and saying, well, now you don't have to wait for marriage. Or now it doesn't have to be a member of the opposite sex. Or now it can be something different. takes what God has created as good and perverts it. And so what we want to do in our minds is say, no, that's not God's order. That's not how God created it. God created it good, and I'm believing a lie that says, no, that's not really good. How, why would you want to limit yourself to one person when there's so many fish in the sea? Because this is the best way. This is the original design. I'm not going to believe the lies of Satan, but I've got to test that through the renewing of my mind, and that's exactly what Christian worldview is. So just a quick couple of tips here. How do I develop a Christian worldview? First, you've got to saturate yourself in Scripture. You're not going to have a biblical worldview without the Bible. Be in the Word every day. Number two, consider church as essential and not passive. In other words, you're not called to merely sit in a pew. Actually, do you guys have pews in We don't have pews. Sometimes I, I'm a fat guy. I like pews, okay? I like a little more space. But anyway, um, you're not just called to sit into a chair and listen to some guy ramble on for 30 minutes. Or again, if you're a Baptist like me and I'm. Um, that's not what you're called to do. The purpose of church is not just preaching. I can get that on a podcast. My podcast, listen to it. But um, you're, you're called to be interacting with people. 
which number three, actively pursue the fellowship and accountability of godly Christian friends. That's something you can't get in a podcast. That's not something you're going to read in a book. That's one of the purposes of church is to give you that sense of fellowship. But you're not going to get that unless you pursue that. If your church has small group or, or men's groups like, like this, get involved. Number four, read, read, read. There are lots of good books on this. Read. And then number five, and I can't stress this up, never, ever turn off your mind. Evaluate everything. If I had thought about it for five minutes longer, what I would have put up here is a picture of Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. Because there's nothing more godly than Chick-fil-A. The essential <laughs> part of a Christian worldview is eating at Chick-fil-A, and I'm looking forward to that today. But if I posted a Chick-fil-A meal up here, or you're going to get one at the end of this day because we're Christians. I'm gonna, you're going you're gonna to hand it. You're gonna, someone's going to hand it to you. You're going to pick it up. You could get seriously injured and seriously sick by eating that stuff if you're not careful. Because as thinking people, what you're going to do is you're going to take the sandwich out of the package, right? If you don't, it's not going to taste as great. I promise you. But what have you done? You've evaluated the situation. You've looked at this thing, and you know some of this is trash, and some of this is edible. You've got to think through the situation. When you're watching TV, you've got to think to yourself, this part is trash, this is edible. When I'm listening to music, this part is trash, this part is edible. I'm reading the newspaper. It's all Trek. No. Um, <laughs> you get the idea. There are parts that you've got to think through. Never, ever, ever turn your mind off. That's why you need sleep. That's when you're supposed to do And get enough sleep. All right. Um, and I've got a list here of some books here that I recommend. Um, <clears throat> and again, you can write these down or... Again, there's copies in the back if you're interested. And thus concludes my little talk, which I think. All right, and that's where we end the lecture. And I want to thank you for listening. Our recommended resources, the resources I actually didn't get to because I ran out of time, I'll, I'll list them here, but I'll, I'll make links available on our show notes. So Understanding the Times by David Nobel and Jeff Myers is actually the textbook I use to teach worldviews. The Universe Next Door by James Sire. That's a book that's really highly recommended by our own Ray Jewell, um, our co-host Ray Jewell, the, the other half of the Reigning in Ray podcast. The Consequence of Ideas by R.C. Sproul is really great. It gets into uh, more philosophy. Uh, another good book, uh, a lengthy book, but... How Now Shall We Live by Charles Colson and Nancy Percy. And speaking of Nancy Percy, her book Total Truth is excellent as well. And finally, you, you can't do worldview, you can't do Christian worldview without mentioning Francis Schaeffer. So his classic book, How Should We Then Live? Okay, so that's all the time we have. For fact, we're way over time. But uh, tune in next week. We'll have another great program for you. We'll have all those links and everything available at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. Check us out on Facebook and uh, I was almost going to say Twitter, but I guess it's X now, at Basic Biblecast and on Instagram at Basic Biblecast. So until next week, have a great 
rest of your week.